Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. What kind of programs does this school have? How are the test scores? How many kids do a classroom? Homes.com knows these are all things you ask when you're home shopping as a parent. That's why each listing on Homes.com includes extensive reports on local schools, including photos, parent reviews, test scores, student-teacher ratio, school rankings, and more. The information is from multiple trusted sources and curated by Homes.com's dedicated in-house research team. It's also you can make the right decision for your family. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The new season is almost upon us, and in the context of the 76ers, the hope is that Markel Fultz will add another weapon to the fold. Following an encouraging preseason, the combo guard seems to be in a good place. The stuff that happened to me last year only made me a better man in basketball play. Some people can look at it as something bad, but I look at it as, you know, a blessing. Ahead of this year's season opener, we'll speak with Fultz, plus venture into enemy territory and get some nuggets on the Boston Celtics. When you've got Irving and Hayward coming back, everyone is jacked up around here about what this team can accomplish. It's going to be really interesting to see if it can all come together. Coming up on this episode of The Broadcast. Is it? Could it be? Yes. Just about time for the start of the 2018-19 regular season. What's going on out there? Brian Seltzer saying hello and welcome to the broadcast. We are finally going to be talking about fresh Sixers basketball of consequence as the Sixers open things up Tuesday night at TD Garden against the Boston Celtics. In addition to our feature on Markel Fultz, we're going to hear from Mark D'Amico, who does what I do for Celtics.com. He'll give us a sense of what's been happening with the Seas throughout the preseason. But first, I want to remind you that to subscribe to the broadcast, you can do a couple things. You can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Type in Sixers Podcast Network, and that will take you to our feed. Now, let's go in-depth on Markel Fultz. Perhaps no member of the 76ers roster, or few other players in the entire NBA for that matter, will be entering the new season with the same type of intrigue surrounding him as Markel Fultz will. Coming up through the amateur ranks, there was obviously so much potential about Fultz, and then there was last season, and the 2017 consensus number one pick wasn't able to consistently stay on the floor. But an offseason of tireless work bred an emboldened sense of inner belief in the 20-year-old, and it showed during an encouraging preseason. Fultz both seems and sounds like he's going to very much be a factor this year. I'm feeling great. You know, I'm really confident. I put in a lot of work this summer, preseason. You know, I got a chance to go out there and, and build my chemistry with my teammates. So, 
I'm feeling real good. Just before training camp started a few weeks ago, I had the chance to spend a few minutes with Fultz, and our conversation started talking about the summer he spent mostly in Los Angeles, training with Drew Hanlon and guys like Joel Embiid and former teammate Justin Anderson. It was a regimen that yielded, Brett Brown estimated, about 150,000 total shots. Pretty much my summer preparation was crazy this year. You know, uh, I literally was sleeping in the gym. Like, I, I woke up in the morning, I worked out, I wanted to go eat, came back and work out, and then I would come back at night and work out. I was pretty much doing, you know, three workouts a day. Um, I was trying to get lifts in, but, you know, at the end of the day, I was just grinding, you know, getting back to that love of, of working hard to get what you want. And that's literally what it's been the whole summer. And um, I had little, like, little to none breaks, you know. I had to go to China a little bit for, you know, for things. But even out there, I had a great time just interacting with fans and then coming back, just getting close to, you know, that feeling of being back in the season. You know, as it got closer and closer, I got more and more excited just to be able to, you know, just showcase myself and, and, and get back around the people that, you know, made me happy last year, like my teammates and everything. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. 150,000 shots, is that an accurate number? I think that's actually a little bit lower um, than what I shot because, you know, those are just shots that I shot in gym. Those are not the shots, you know, that people don't see, like, at home when I'm just shooting around or when I go to the playground and play. So, I mean, I definitely shot 150,000 shots, you know. I put in a lot, a lot of hours, but it wasn't about the shots, really. It was about the hard work that I put in. Um, and I didn't do it for, you know, for the publicity. I did it for myself just to get an outcome that I wanted, and I'm, I'm happy with the work I put in. So, What do you think made the fit with you, Drew Hanlon, and this team's development program work over the summer? Um, I just think it, it was just an openness, you know. He was open to try to help me, and I was just open to, you know, working with him. You know, it was something different for me. Uh, so for both of us, it was just, you know, we found a way. We both have a love for a game, and he was willing, you know, to put in hours in the gym just like I was. So it just happened that we both, you know, and he has – some of my teammates, you know, he, had, he worked out Justin, Joel. So it was just cool, you know, to be around my teammates and, and just grind. So I'm thankful for what he's done. That Fultz was looking to surround himself with more people who made him feel comfortable is easy to understand, especially given how last year went. After appearing in the Sixers' first four games of the regular season, he was shut down due to scapular muscle imbalance in his shoulder. It wouldn't be until March when Brett Brown made a surprise announcement before a home game against the Denver Nuggets that we'd see Fultz again in uniform. I want to tell you something about Markel Fultz. He, he's going to play tonight. Markel Fultz will play tonight. Uh, it was his decision. It, it's been fluid. You know, I get goosebumps telling you all that. Uh, I'm so proud of him. Just and listening to that soundbite, you, know, you can hear it. The usually steady Brown was emotional that night. It made sense. Fultz had been through so much, yet still managed to persevere through it all and get back on the court. He'd gone to appear in the Sixers' final 10 regular season games and three more in the playoffs in the series against the Miami Heat. Yes, Fultz definitely had to endure more than his fair share of adversity in 2017-18, but in some ways, it's been a way of life that's become familiar to him. Talk about adversity and obstacles. I mean, I've been going through that since I was young. Um, it started at a young age, just trying to make uh, varsity and getting cut there. And then all the way till you can go back to my last year in the NBA, you know, um, just uh, the year I had, you know, I had an injury happen and, and I wasn't able to be my normal self on the court. And I had to fight through, you know, going against the media, going against, you know, just wanting to do something that I love and I couldn't do it anymore. So um, going through that, it was just, you know, tough. And I had to stick to my roots of what got me here, you know, just working hard, 
believing in my family and support system and, and, and just praying and, and, and going by by that. Can you expand on that a little bit, the <coughs> factors that have helped you push through and overcome some of the stuff that you've gone up against? For sure. Uh, the, the biggest support um, that I had going through these obstacles and, you know, tough times is definitely my mom, you know, coach, uh, my teammates, you know, and, and, and just praying and then just working hard, really. So, you know, my mom has been there no matter what, you know, just telling me that I, I got here for a reason and it's, it's, it's a reason I got here. And then just being able to come into you know, where I work at in my workplace and just have my teammates, you know, support me no matter what and having a coach and, you know, uh, front office that, that understands what's going on with me, it, it just helps you, you know, want to fight more for not only yourself but your teammates and, and your loved ones. If you've been around Fultz at all or read up on him or followed parts of his career, you know that his mom, Ebony, is a really important figure in his life. So when he mentioned her as part of his support group and the source of strength she's helped provide him, we talked about her some more. Describe my mother first, hardcore. First, uh, my mom is, uh, you know, loving, uh, caring, overprotective, uh, sweet, uh, smart, strong. I can go on and on, but my mom is really, uh, I think she's a superhero. So, um, What are some of the sacrifices she's made uh, in your life to help you? Uh, my mom has made plenty of sacrifices, you know, from, you know, working two jobs just for me to be able to go to, work out with a trainer or go to camps or get the shoes that I wanted to, you know, sacrificing her meal for me to eat at night, you know, her being a single mom. Um, it was tough for her, but she she always seemed to always have a smile on her face when she was around me or my sister or around people. So um, my mom made a lot of sacrifices. And I'm, I'm thankful for it. She's still doing anything that drives you crazy? Uh, yeah, she always, you know, that's she, mom is always going to be mom. I'm a mom's boy. I'm not ashamed to admit it, but, you know, she still does little things, but, like, lick her finger and try to get stuff off my face and, like, still try to kiss me in front of everybody and little stuff like that. But, you know, I, I, I don't like it, but at the same time, I'm still appreciative of having a mom that cares so much about me. There have been plenty of people inside the Sixers organization who have leaned into faults, with the recently promoted general manager Elton Brand being one of them. Brand isn't just a former player, but he's a former number one pick as well. So he and Fultz have that in common. The relationship has seemed to help. Oh, man, Elton, you know, uh, we chatted since I first got drafted here, you know, just him being an ex-player and then, you know, just his experience that he's went through, you know, of being a player and now he's, of course, a GM. Um, he just talks about, you know, just keeping the confidence, really, and just knowing what I can do on and off the court and how great of a guy I am and, I'm really appreciative, you know, to have somebody. Uh, it's one to talk to somebody that, that knows a lot, but it's different to talk to somebody who's actually been through what you've been through. So just being able to talk to somebody who was the number one pick and had a lot of expectation playing in Philly, you know, Philly's different from most organizations. It was, it was just dope. You don't have to be a pro athlete to know that playing in Philadelphia is a different kind of beast. We know how the town is, and it's what makes it so great. But put yourself for a moment in Fultz's Nikes and consider the circumstances that surrounded him a season ago. 19 years old, linked to a major trade, injury issues, expectations, all that. Yeah, it's the life Fultz chose, but that didn't mean it was easy. In the year and change since he's been in Philadelphia, the DMV native has come to love the city and all it has to offer. It's nothing like Philly, you know. It's, it's, it's a love-hate uh, city, but they definitely love you more than they hate you, but they're going to let you know if you're not if you're not doing what you're supposed to do, and that's what I love about it. I want somebody to hold me accountable for if I'm not doing something. So Philly's going to be behind you, and uh, they're going to root for you, but 
you better not stink it up or you're gonna you're gonna know so give me some favorite things to do in the city favorite places to visit eat stuff like that okay first of all we're gonna go with favorite place to eat and it has to be chick-fil-a no matter where it's at in philly any chick-fil-a i'll come to you you know hit you up but you know favorite things to do i just like you know riding a bike around the city you know just being able to be be myself you know ride a bike um there's a lot of fun things you do. You know, you got some history places here, but uh, just driving around Philly is, is good enough for you. You're going to see almost anything you can think of, really, uh, from something good to something bad. But it's definitely, you know, uh, a great city to be in where the culture here is to win. A season ago, the Sixers still enjoyed a breakout year with 52 wins and a second-round playoff appearance, even without Fultz as a regular member of the rotation. Now... One of the team's tasks early on in the season will be to figure out how to use Fultz the best. In the preseason, he started, and that's how Brett Brown plans to keep things, with one caveat. He could come off the bench to begin the second half. Part of my responsibility is to, to be able to put these guys in environments, you know, with different combinations and try to figure that out as, as quickly as I'm able. And, and I, I believe that, that Markel is at his best with the ball. And so when you watch how I substitute and determine patterns, when you can bring him off the bench in the second half, you're able to get him like four or five more minutes as a point guard. And uh, I believe it's something that we will continue to look at. Regardless of how Fultz is deployed, one thing is clear. The fortunes of the Sixers figure to be enhanced if he's contributing. The partnership he forges with young stars Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons will also be pivotal. I think it's important, you know, the relationship that we have is is not only key just for, you know, uh, how the team's going to do, but more so, you know, just being comfortable coming in, knowing that you have a, a teammate slash brother uh, who's going to hold you accountable when you're not doing well or when you are doing well or going to get on you when, you when you're not going as hard as you should, you know, so... I think the relationship that not only that us three have, but our whole core team, our whole team has, is, is, is truly special. Up first for Fultz and the Sixers' promising core, the club that ousted them from the playoffs last year, Boston. Opening night against the Celtics at TD Garden has been circled on the calendars of many Sixers players, not just Fultz. The series this past spring was a learning lesson. That definitely showed us uh, what we're capable of, you know, um, just doing what we did. We finished the game on a win streak and then going to the second round uh, of the playoffs, you know, competing and, and building chem team chemistry and just seeing what we, how a young group of, of, of guys and some vets, how, how we bonded together. It was pretty amazing. So coming back this year, you know, we're looking to expand on that and just come come in and, you know, starting the way we finish, not, not, not taking any break is the way we finished last year is the way we want to start this year. You know, for me, just listening to Fultz's words or imagining him as he described it, riding around Center City on his bike, he just projects the vibes of a guy who's at peace, someone who at this point in his life is settled. We'll soon find out how it translates to the floor. Oh, man, I'm super excited. I mean, uh, I don't know if guys can tell or people can tell, but I definitely have a different swagger coming in the gym this year, you know. I'm definitely happier. I, I want to make my teammates happy. I want to make everybody, you know, uh, joyful. And I'm just ready to compete. You know, I feel like I, I put in a lot of work this summer, and it's and it's paid off. You know, I've seen the results, and I'm I'm still working, even to this day. You know, to get better. But I'm 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 confident and happy going into the season. 
in some ways, is that a silver lining to what happened last season? Do you think you could have had an outlook like that without having gone through last year? Uh, I, I think it would be different. You know, last year, I think that the stuff that happened to me last year only made me a better man and basketball player, you know. You know, some people can look at it as, you know, as something bad, but I look at it as, you know, a blessing, you know, a blessing for me to see that early in, in, in my first year in the NBA, you know, at a young age of 19 years old. Um, just to be able to go through that, it just makes me show that, it makes me more hungry to work hard, you know, it makes me not take anything for granted, and it just makes me appreciate where I'm at, where I'm at, I'm at every day I wake up, you know. It's a blessing to be here. No matter what's going on in my life, I know that, you know, at the end of the day, I'm blessed and, and I, I'm in an opportunity where not many have. Great perspective from a guy who, very well, once it's all said and done, could be great himself. Coming up next on the podcast, I'll speak with my counterpart from the Boston Celtics. His name is Mark D'Amico, and he'll give us the pulse of everything that's been going on up in Beantown the last couple months since the Sixers and the Seas last squared off in the playoffs. You're listening to the broadcast. But first, Sixers fans, please do listen up. I want to talk to you about Club 76. Club 76 is the official season ticket waiting list for your team, your town, your Philadelphia 76ers. We want you to get priority access for 2019-2020 season tickets. So here's what you got to do. Sign up for either Club 76 Elite or Club 76 Free. You'll get some benefits. They include exclusive 76ers gear and access to special ticket offers and events. And all you got to do is go to sixers.com slash join club 76 or you can email club76 at 76ers.com. Or, very lastly, call 215-339-7676. Again, the number is 215-339-7676 for Club 76. The official season ticket waiting list for the 76ers for 2019-2020. Indeed. Especially when it comes to tickets. We're already talking about 2019-2020, but in respect to the immediate season in front of us, 2018-2019, 76 is opening up on Tuesday night, TD Garden, Boston, Massachusetts, the scene of the crime last May where the Sixers were eliminated from the playoffs in a five-game series in the second round versus their arch nemesis. No rivalry in the game has been played more frequently than the Sixers and the Seas. And it is always great to frequently touch base with the guy who covers the Boston Celtics for Celtics.com. His name is Mark D'Amico. And Mark's going to give us a preview of what the Sixers may have in store on Tuesday night. Mark, what's going on, man? I've been great. It's nice to see you again after a long off season. Felt like we just saw each other, though. It is very Vegas. true. I can I can recall <laughs> the steps that I took uh, in Vegas, running into you guys, and also like down Boylston Street in the springtime, uh, <laughs> where to revisit. Now that the Sixers are going back up to Boston, but I don't know about you. I, I love the fact that this is not only the first game of the season, but the first game of the NBA season. It should be. I mean, you look at the way the last season played out, and you look at the way the off season played out. Clearly, these are the two teams, the top dogs that everyone wants to see in the East. Obviously, Toronto is there as well, but that's kind of a little bit of an unknown. They've got a new coach. They've got a new star player in Kawhi. So these are the two known quantities in the Eastern Conference. You know the Celtics are going to be there. You know the Sixers are going to be there. And you know that when those teams play, they're going to hate each other. Before we jump into looking ahead to this season, can you give us a refresher of what the populace in Boston and New England thought about last season for the Celtics and what they made of it once it was all said and done um, at the end of the Eastern Conference Finals? Yeah, no, I mean, I think 
the run that they made last season really set the bar for this season, if that makes sense. I mean, yeah. when when you don't have Hayward, you don't have Kyrie Irving, you don't have Daniel Tice, and Daniel Tice is a guy who, you know, in a series against the Sixers would have been really important. And same thing going going up against the Cleveland Cavaliers in the conference finals. But when you're missing those players and you still somehow reach game seven of the conference finals, and really, like, they should have won that game. They, you know, the, Ty, or Terry Rozier goes 0 for 10 from three-point range. It was kind of like a, a fluke offensive performance, but they really had a shot to get to the finals, and then who knows what happens there. They steal a game or two against the Warriors. But, you know, the the way that they handled themselves with such young players like Rozier, like Jalen Brown, like Jason Tatum, who obviously had an outstanding series against you guys last season. Um, When those guys set the bar so high for what they can do, and then they're not even necessarily the top dogs going into this season, when you've got Irving and Hayward uh, coming back, I mean, everyone is jacked up around here about what this team can accomplish. It's going to be really interesting to see if it can all come together. Let's start with Kyrie. Give us the latest on him, how he's looked, and how he's sounded. He has looked like Kyrie. <laughs> you know, I mean, ever since the first ball went up, um, you know, two days after training camp started. I don't know if you guys know that, but the Celtics played their first preseason game two days. or two, They had two days of practice before their first preseason game. Oh, wow. um, and so you're, you're expecting especially someone who had an injury last season and couldn't get back to playing basketball until mid-August, you expecting you know him to have a little rust? There, there was no rust. He came out, looked just like Kyrie Irving, cashing in from downtown, driving to the rack with ease. Um, the handles are always going to be there. So that's how he's looked. He's looked like Kyrie. Although he did miss the final two games of the preseason, uh, I'm not too worried about that. There's nothing serious lingering there. Um, How he sounded, though, is really what has stood out. Last season when he came to town, it sounded like he was, uh, you know, trying to say all the right things. And I think he would admit that, you know, that he he was in a new situation. You know, it was kind of a whirlwind summer for him uh, with, you know, filming his movie Uncle Drew and then, getting traded and, you know, right three weeks before training camp starts. Um, So he wasn't – I don't think he was himself necessarily last season. And I do think he was doing a little bit of Uncle Drew last season. Like he was acting a little bit, you know, trying to act happy. He's not acting anymore, at least from what I can see and at least from what he's saying. He is happy. He is comfortable. And that's why he was, you know, in a position where he wanted to actually come out and say um, at the recent open practice at TD Garden, told the crowd, "Hey, if you guys are going to have me back, I'm resigning this off season and, and this coming off season." And I don't think that's something that anyone around here or around the NBA expected him to announce before this season even started. So he's he's in a different place. He's in the same place physically and being able to do what he's always done, uh, but he's in a different place mentally. There's no doubt about that. And you just have to think that for a player to come out and say something like that, I mean, we know that pro sports can be so fluid and anything can happen, circumstances change, but just to come out and make a declaration like that, announce intentions, that's just got to lift a whole cloud of questioning that could have followed him potentially over the course of the entire season, right? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, because if you don't know what's happening with Kyrie Irving, then you might not know what to do with Terry Rozier, right? Terry Rozier is entering his final year of his rookie deal. Uh, So the Celtics, obviously they just missed the opportunity to extend him. Um, 
So that's in the rear view. And now that they would have had to figure out, okay, you know, Kyrie's going into the offseason as an unrestricted free agent. He might go somewhere. Terry Rozier is a restricted free agent. Do we plot all the money in his pocket and assume that Kyrie's going somewhere else? Or do we reserve that money for Kyrie and then try to figure out what we can do with, with Terry Rozier and see if we can have maybe the best backup point guard in the entire NBA for the long term here? Um, so, yeah, it, it just clarifies things for the organization. Uh, it takes a huge cloud out from over their head for the entire season. And, and you know, for the team, I think it helps them. Like, they don't have to deal with those questions every single day because, as you know, you know, Kyrie wouldn't be the only person being asked that question throughout the season. Al Horford would be hit with that question. You know, Gordon Hayward would be hit with that question. And, most importantly, Brad Stevens would be hit with that question because we meet with him about 13 times every four days. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> too many media availabilities with the coaches. Yeah, and I completely agree with you on that. <laughs> a and just like yeah, it, it, it's nice to listen. It's a question that the type of question that people have to ask, but it's nice to know that that's something, regardless of what team you're following. Um, and I, I like to hope that I'd say the same thing if there were a similar situation with the Sixers. You know, it's just like. That stuff will play itself out, and you can just kind of focus on the season, which is uh, really, I think, at the end of the day, what people care about. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I think people underestimate how something like that can affect a team in a locker room, and people underestimate how important the locker room is to the success of a team. No doubt. It's important. So Gordon Hayward, how about him? Uh, how is he feeling physically um, as he continues to uh, to get back in the gear of things? Yeah, well – you know, we talked about Kyrie. Kyrie looks like Kyrie. Gordon does not look like Gordon right now. Um, and at least the last time we, we saw him play, he also missed the final two preseason games. Um, he had a little bit of back pain, so they wanted to take a, a cautious route with that and, you know, keep him out of the final two games. But the first two games that he played in, you know, he, he did look like he he was just off. You know, his timing wasn't there. Um, he, he's, his shot wasn't there. He's trying to get it all back. Uh, it, but the good thing is that he's coming back to a team. You know, if he was out in Utah still and he was coming back from this injury, you know, he would still be, you know, maybe 1A, you know, behind Donovan Mitchell. But here there's plenty of other guys who can carry the load, so there's not as much pressure on him to return to, you know, that all-star form that he was in that final season in Utah. Uh, so he can kind of take his time and get that rhythm back. And But – Yesterday, uh, Brad Stevens actually said that the the three players who have made the most significant strides during this kind of nine-day lead-up of practice that the Celtics have before tomorrow night's opening game are Gordon Hayward, number one, Kyrie Irving, number two, and Daniel Tice, number three. All three guys who are coming back from injuries, those three guys are really starting to kind of get a little bit of a rhythm. We haven't been able to get in and watch those guys practice and scrimmage. Uh, but, you know, all reports sound like those guys are, you know, in particular Gordon Hayward are starting to, you know, look a little bit more like themselves than they maybe did during those preseason games. Amazing. Just how good the team was for Boston last season, adding two talents like that back. You're expecting that it's going to be Kyrie, Tatum, Jalen Brown, Gordon Hayward, Al Horford as the starting five? That's what I would expect. Um, that's what we saw for the first two preseason games when everyone was healthy. Um, but, you know, Brad Stevens is also the kind of guy who will alter a lineup based upon who he's playing. You know, and that's really one of the interesting storylines that we're going to have to follow here in Boston this season is like, okay, if he's going to throw 
let's say, tomorrow night. If he wants to throw Aaron Baines into the starting lineup because he's a great defender, he played very well against Joel Embiid last year in the postseason, who's going to the bench? <laughs> like, who, right. who do you take out? Is it Jalen Brown? Is it you know, Jason Tatum, who's clearly on the, on the path to superstardom? Like, who do you take out? Of, or is it Gordon Hayward, you know, if, if he's not quite looking like himself? So, you know, that's going to be really interesting to see uh, throughout the season. Brad Stevens has never been shy about shaking up the starting lineup based upon matchups. Uh, and, you know, Joel Embiid is one of those matchups tomorrow night. It'll be real class. interesting to see if, if Baines is out there. But I do not expect that. I do expect him to go with a small lineup to start. A high-class problem to have. Last thing I'll leave you with before we wrap this up. Does this game sound like it matters much to the Celtics players? Because for the 76ers, really the drumbeat since the middle of May last year has been more to do, didn't like the way things finished against Boston, and certainly this matchup, uh, given the opponent has been circled for a while, and even that much more so once the schedule came out um, Mm -hmm. and the players saw that it was the first game of the season. So does it sound like, based on what guys are saying in Boston, this game is being viewed as something extra to them? You know, I don't know if it means extra to them uh, because a lot of the questions that they've been facing are about themselves. You know, they they did not look good during the preseason. You know, plain plain and simple, they did they didn't look like the same team that they were last season when they led the league defensively. You know, in, in defensive efficiency, they didn't look the same offensively. They kind of looked discombobulated and not really knowing, you know, not wanting to step on each other's toes. So that's really been the storyline for the Celtics, and that's what they've been asked about every day is, like, can, are you guys going to be able to figure this out? You know, it feels a lot like when LeBron and Chris Bosh went down to Miami in that first season, and that team really kind of struggled to find itself over the first three, four weeks of the season. And that was the storyline for them, more more so than, you know, who they were playing or, you know, if they were playing the Spurs or, you know, any of the top teams. Um that's kind of what it feels like here in Boston, that the concentration is more so on them right now, on the, on the team, more so than who they're playing. Now, let's be real. Like tomorrow night when the lights go on and you get a little pyro going during pregame and you've got <laughs> the Sixers on the other sideline who are clearly, you know, they're one of the top dogs in the East as well. Those guys are going to be jacked up. They're going to want to grab the win. Um, and it should be, should be a fun environment. Before you let me go, though, i got to ask you, what's up with Markel Fultz? Looks like he's going to start. How's the guy looking? I, I thought, all things considered, really good preseason. Promising, yeah. encouraging. Um, there was one game, the second game they played, he really let the uh, the pull-up jumper fly a bit. But uh, kind of like what you were saying about Kyrie Irving, more than what you're seeing on the court, seems to be in a very good headspace. But, uh, yeah, it sounds like he's going to start uh, the game. And then don't be surprised if they bring him off the bench to begin the second half and J.J. Redick starts uh, mm-hmm. at two-guard. Uh, let me actually go on that. Brad Stevens has said the exact same thing, that he might be willing to change his lineups at halftime on a nightly basis, depending on how the first half goes. So, hey, maybe Reddick's in to start the second half, and maybe Aaron Baines is out there. Who knows? Listen, if Brett Brown and Brad Stevens are doing it, I feel like it's got to be a worthwhile <laughs> endeavor. <laughs> yeah, two, two guys who are way smarter than us, right? No doubt. Uh, great insight, Mark D'Amico, Celtics Digital. Thanks so much, man. All right. Yeah, good to get that insight on what's happening in Celtics land from Mark. Celtics went 1-3 in the preseason. 76 is, of course, very auspicious 3-1. Came up just a few points shy of an undefeated preseason with their loss in the finale to the Dallas Mavericks in China. 
And right now we're just at the point where we're pretty much ready to roll. Game number one of the season, Tuesday night, 8 o'clock. You can watch the game on TNT. You can listen to Tom McGinnis beginning year number 24 behind the mic on 97.5 The Fanatic and other Sixer Radio Network affiliates. And, yeah, Tuesday night's going to be fun and it's exciting. But can't wait for Thursday when the Sixers open things at home at 8 o'clock versus the Chicago Bulls. Thank you, as always, for listening. Thanks to Markel Fultz and Mark D'Amico for taking the time. We'll talk to you later this week on the broadcast. See ya. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Zero Foxtrot isn't just a brand, it's a way of life. Founded and operated by veterans, Zero Foxtrot's unique apparel and gear echoes the grit of the warrior culture. Zero Foxtrot dedicates itself to producing content, honoring the sacrifices of forgotten heroes of the past, and connecting history to the present. Embark on a journey with Zero Foxtrot today at ZeroFoxtrot.com. It's not merely our products, it's about the ethos that we embody. Rugged, resilient, and timeless. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.